On today's jam-packed pregame edition of the Locked On Ole Miss podcast, we look at what Ole Miss needs to accomplish in the second week to be on schedule before they go to Georgia Tech next week, Tulsa, and ultimately that Kentucky game. This is the Locked On Ole Miss podcast. You are Locked On Ole Miss, your daily podcast on the Ole Miss Rebels, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. All right, welcome to the Locked On Ole Miss podcast. I'm your host on this magical mystery tour we call Ole Miss fandom. Stephen Willis, thank you very much. My Twitter handle is right there, Stephen Willis, that the Stephen Willis. And of course, thank you for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcast, including YouTube. So do us a favor, subscribe to the YouTube channel, hit the bell for notifications, and of course, upvote the video itself. Do you want to let you know that today's episode is brought to you by Bet Bet BetOnline has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. BetOnline, where the game starts. Okay. We realize that Ole Miss is playing Central Arkansas. We got that. We understand all of this stuff. I talked about the quarterback situation. I've talked about two or three different things leading up to this. Now, what does Ole Miss need to do? What does this game need to accomplish to get us ready for Georgia Tech and beyond? And and that's what we're going to look at. And it really has nothing to do with the quarterbacks because the quarterback situation is essentially a parallel competition to the rest of the team. Until this team um, picks a quarterback, I, I think there's just issues that this team is going to have to deal with. So we're going to put that on a parallel track, that quarterback competition. And we're going to talk about other things that we want to see. Now, there's leadership, there's cultural issues, and things like that that really cannot be resolved until the quarterback is named, period. I mean, we like to think that it could. It really can't. But there are certain things that we'd like to see. And first of all, We've talked about this before this week, is I want to see things get cleaned up. It needs to get cleaned up operationally. We need a turnover-free game or one turnover. We need to get that down because we do not want that to become a trend. Whenever we run the offense and do things, it needs to be fairly smooth. It needs to look fairly smooth. Whether you're Luke Altmaier or Jackson Dart, the offense basically needs to be able to operate. And in the second half, that was the reason there's so much hand-wringing for people is there was three turnovers and the offense kind of didn't operate. Now, the turnovers didn't come from where you would expect them to in a situation like that. A lot of the outrage that people had about that game was pre-scheduled. They were ready to go. Just let's tweet away. Let's just do it. But that game was never uncomfortable. Don't say it was. Don't think uh, that game was never uncomfortable. And Jackson Dart played very well, except for one interception that was a bad interception. And his footwork got kind of messed up and tangled up, and he overthrew a receiver that was wide open on third down that he probably would have gained 15, 20 yards. Those are really his two mistakes. Now, we get to see what Luke Altmyer's performance is going to look like against Central Arkansas. Now, I have had people say in the comments that stats do not matter, which is absolutely the case. 
But if you want to apples to apples compare these two, because Central Arkansas is such a weaker defense than Troy, I think stats play a role. So I want to see the offense run honestly smoothly because operationally and things like that, the jump from first to second game was was going to happen anyway, no matter who was calling the shots at quarterback. So I want to see the offense run fairly smooth. I want to see one, maybe zero turnovers. Two would be too many. Um, I want to see the penalties cleaned up. I want to see the defense continue to swarm around. Because honestly, you can say what you want to about this team. The defense and running game is where the strength of this team lies. Now, I'm sure the wide receivers are good too. I think Malik Heath and... um, Jonathan Mingo, those are legit guys on the outside. On the inside, I think Jalen Robinson is going to be a guy. I think his first catch, he made that mistake on the part return. And that kind of got in his head. And he needs something good to happen. That's the reason Lane Kiffin, who noticed that as well, he immediately called the jet sweep end around to give the ball to Jalen Robinson and hoped that that would kind of snap him out of it. It did not really. So I need to see him perform well. He needs a bounce back. I need to see J.J. Henry. I need to see that slot position work. Because remember, this offense, the middle of the field, has to be open, and a lot of stuff was happening outside the numbers. I think that's because of fear of turnovers, maybe not trusting exactly what they see, the slowness of the reads, stuff that can happen, that, that happens, and you just need reps. Either quarterback, Luke Altmaier is going to go through the same stuff this weekend against Central Arkansas. You need reps. And I told you yesterday, Jackson Dart is going to lose 75 reps this week because of this quarterback carousel. Last week, Luke Altmaier lost 75 reps. So whoever wins this job, they are automatically seven, um, 75 behind, and it's like an 11-game season for them. They basically just do not get a game. It's the reason I just do not like this, um, the way this is being handled. I, I just don't. But, again, not saying it won't work. And he gets $8 million to make the decision. But he also gets $8 million for other people to say whether or not they care. <laughs> yeah. You wouldn't say anything if it didn't bother you. And it is what it is. But... Like I said, didn't say it won't work. I just said I don't like it. But this is to get ready for Georgia Tech. I've got Bryce Coon set to come on the show early next week. Um, we got Joe DeLeon. He's going to talk about Central Arkansas in the second segment. In the third segment, we've got Tom Vanderford, who's going to talk about um, everything, anything Ole Miss in his weekly segment. So it's going to be a two-guest show. But I, I'm excited um, even after that first game, when everybody ring, was wringing their hands, I was excited because you could just see the team oozing with talent. There's not a team on this schedule that Ole Miss can't beat. That's the truth. There's not a team on the schedule they can't beat. Now, there's like seven or eight or nine that they can lose to. But not a team on their schedule they can't beat. And a lot of that is going to be determined over the next three weeks. We got to get to October. 
October is going to answer a lot of questions that we have. Maybe not questions that Lane Kiffin has. He might know the answers already. But by then, they will reveal themselves to us. I'm excited about the quarterback competition. I want this to be resolved. That's who I'm rooting for right now, brevity. That's what I'm rooting for in this quarterback competition. I want this to be over Sunday. I want this to be whoever wins. doesn't matter. I couldn't care less. Whoever wins the job, I want them to get the first team and the lion's share of the first team reps starting Monday. Because Georgia Tech played a little defense against Clemson. They're going to have probably better athletes than Troy. I think they're better than we expected them to be. They might be the top non-conference opponent when I've been saying Troy leading up. And that is because their defense is better than they're supposed to be. So if Ole Miss gets there and they are operationally sloppy and they turn the ball over, Georgia Tech will beat them over in Bobby Dodd Stadium. Ole Miss hasn't played there since 1946. When Bobby Dodd took over, he just didn't want to play the Mississippi schools. This is the conclusion of that, really. Next year, when they come to Oxford, will be the end of a very long thing of trying to get Georgia Tech to Oxford, and they just wouldn't do it. And they just it just became a situation where Bobby Dodd liked to egg on to his fans Ole Miss and Mississippi State because they were too good to come to Mississippi. They were too good to come to Mississippi. And as a Mississippian, I think we all know how that was received. Anyway, this is going to be a good game, and we are going to need to see those things. We need the quarterback to operate the offense efficiently. It doesn't matter which one. We need the SEC athletes to perform. We need Jalen Robinson to have a breakout. He had a little bit of a rough opener. We need, we need to turn him around and get him confidence um, in the future with Georgia Tech and Tulsa coming up. Both bigger, better games. Let's get him right. J.J. Henry, I want to see him go. He dropped a touchdown pass. He might be in his head a little bit about that. This offense is not in a bad place. Understand that. This offense is just working, trying to find their identity. They're going to force the passing identity right now. But they, in their back pocket, they have that run game. They have that defense. And if that needs to be the identity of this team, so be it. That's just the way this works. So, anyway, BetOnline is your number one source for all your pro and college betting needs and sports info this season. Find all of the latest football league developments, late game matchups, news, and podcasts, including this year's opening week games. BetOnline is also your continued source for all of your sporting wagering information, including live bettings, esports, and scores. The fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite sports and events, including Major League Baseball, MMA, boxing, golf, and MLS. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, thanks for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcast, including Spotify and iTunes. Leave a five-star review. It doesn't matter what you say. Just leave a five-star review. That'll help others find the show in the future. I'm here with Joe DeLeon to talk a little Central Arkansas Bears 
football. We tried to meet up early in the week. Our schedules didn't quite mesh, but we got him here before the game. How you doing, Jeff? Uh, I'm doing great. Excited to see these these college football matchups coming up this weekend. Not the most exciting game with Central Arkansas facing off against Ole Miss, but nonetheless, always have fun talking about these FCS teams. Yeah, and and if people was trying to get to know Central Arkansas, what can they expect from the Bears? Yeah, Central Arkansas previously was a really competitive program, uh, a team that was always on the doorstep of the playoffs, one that was at the top of their conference. But since losing a lot of their key players, a number of which entered the transfer portal, they're pretty thin. Uh, they're no longer that type of team that could surprise and shock uh, an unprepared FBS opponent. This Central Arkansas team is pretty weak, and they're coming off of a loss against Missouri State, uh, which they lost by two scores. But overall, I, just to keep it quite simple, this team is is very, very beatable, as I think many old Miss fans are expecting. Yeah, it's one of those situations where after the game I told people, was like, if Central Arkansas wins this game, we're having a different show on Monday than we're planning <laughs> on. So, uh, but, I mean, I don't think there's any real way that um, Central Arkansas can win. But there's a chance that Ole Miss can play sloppy and there's stuff that they need to do to get ready for their next game. And Central Arkansas can serve that purpose. Talk about Central Arkansas and UCA and players that we might need to keep an eye on. Yeah, the big main one that I always point to and the best player by far on this roster is Darius Hale, who's their starting running back. Uh, last week, he averaged five and a half yards per carry, which is at any level a really good yards per clip. They're very hampered by the limitations of their passing offense. They kind of have to lean on Hale, and you can only rely on a, a running back at the FCS level so much. But Hale is the type of guy who you leave him a little bit of room. He's a very aggressive downhill runner you leave him a little bit of space he could break off some big runs so you need to rally you need to tackle him you can't take him too lightly where ultimately the biggest weakness is is at the quarterback position not a lot of strong receivers on this roster but will McElvain, who transferred from northern iowa after he had a really rough start to his career is now the starting quarterback and continues to look just very very rough last week only completed roughly uh 50% of his passes and through two interceptions. He is who you want to go after if you want to slow down the Central Arkansas team. Okay. Talk about their offense. What type of style, stylistically, what are we looking at with Central Arkansas? Yeah, this is a run-first team. Uh, they are always going to rely on if it is Darius Hill, uh, Darius Hall, sorry, Hale rather, uh, or if they want to maybe lean on guys like Kylan James they have a lot of options to run the football. They are always going to be a rush first team. One thing that I've noticed in their play calling is if they feel that they're not getting the results out of the run game that they want, which is kind of crazy to think that last week they had a rusher go for five, five yards of carry, one to go for 10 yards of carry, and they decided to throw the ball 30 times in this game. They will over rely on throwing the football even when those options are not there. They get desperate very, very quickly, but overall this team mostly run first and is going to rely on those those running backs to pick up a lot of their offensive production okay what about defensively what do they do on that side of the ball yeah i mean they have a very you know strong defensive unit um nothing that is is going to really challenge this this old miss offense uh nothing that's really going to hold them back i, I think they're right now they're pretty much a, a mid-tier uh, FCS defense for the most part. If the, if there's going to be any challenges, it's going to be presented by this run game. Okay. 
Um, and what do you expect to happen um, come Saturday? Yeah, as I was saying earlier, I, I really don't think that this is going to be much of a challenge for, for Ole Miss. This is not a, a circumstance where coming into the South Dakota State-Iowa game, I was talking about the potential for South Dakota State to upset Iowa. I was, I've even been talking about this week for the possibility of Incarnate Word uh, upsetting Nevada. This is not one of those situations. This is not a good football team. This is not a, a team that has a surprise star player that could pop off and keep them in the football game. You turn the ball over early on them or even before the first half, they are going to crumble. They're going to fall apart. This is going to be one of those games for Ole Miss where they can work through any of the issues that they're trying to resolve. Uh, I don't think they even need to really rely on Zach Evans too much. Get on, get as many of those backup players in as possible. Try and get reps for those younger guys. Get a sense of where your strengths are. This is basically a, a preseason scrimmage type game, uh, as most FCS, FBS games tend to be. Okay. Let's change gears a little bit. I, I might catch you off guard a little bit on here, but I'm sure you want to talk some FCS football. Iowa and South Dakota State, the Jackrabbits, in a game where Iowa scored seven points but didn't score a touchdown. Talk, talk about the weirdness of that game and football in the Dakotas for people that might not notice. Yeah, I think a lot of people overlook the dominance that these Dakota teams do uh, have, specifically North Dakota State and South Dakota State. They recruit really well. They have the benefit of getting all the top recruits in the Midwest that don't end up going to other programs, especially guys that are homegrown from South Dakota and North Dakota always end up picking to play for those programs. They're very passionate about their teams. They are very, very well coached. Very rarely will you have coaches leave from those programs because they are invested heavily in developing those programs. I think a lot of people watched that South Dakota State game and just assumed that Iowa was going to blow past them because they're a Big Ten team with a lot of history. But a team like South Dakota State that has multiple NFL players on the roster is going to come to fight. They are good enough to compete with most teams in the Big Ten, as I think the top five FCS programs are capable of doing. They're able to compete with quality FBS teams. Again, well-coached, uh, very nice uh, recruiting that they're able to do regionally. They're always going to be a hard-fought battle. I think it's not really the case that you're going to get with Central Arkansas because all the good players from Arkansas are going to go play at these Southern schools. They're not picking and deciding to play at Central Arkansas. Yeah, and, and another thing is, could you did you think that James Madison was going to pull, an out, pull out an FBS debut the way they did? And they just completely yeah. took MTSU apart. I had that expectation fully. Mm -hmm. I saw the, the betting line on that game, and I'm like, ooh, I, I might have to take this because I think JMU was only fight, favored by, like, a, a score and a half or something like that. But uh, MTSU is a decent team. You know, mm -hmm. they've had some good, good teams that they've produced, some bowl teams. But James Madison, who I played against all four years in college when I was at James Madison, that was very, very recently when I wrapped up my career there. Um, they always put up a fight. They are another team that dominates the transfer portal, collecting guys from teams that get buried on uh, depth charts in position battles that are just not going to land in their favor. They get so many really good guys that come from Power 5 programs. Very aggressive team, very, very well coached. I had full expectation that they were going to be able to do this. And just as we've seen from uh, other FCS to FBS transfer move-ups like Appalachian State, like Coastal Carolina – James Madison is going to be a really good football team. They are going to be a consistent bowl team. They are going to be a team 
uh, that could shock a Power 5 team if they're not properly prepared for them. Very, very strong football program that they have in uh, Harrisonburg, Virginia. And last question before I let you go. Um, in SWAC football, the champion is playing in the Celebration Bowl every year. Jackson State against Florida A&M looked kind of legit. Any, any chance of them somehow, the FCS working out a way to get them into the playoff this year? Yeah, I've, I've kind of pulled from my, my resources of trying to understand uh, the proper landscape for that to happen. Uh, my resource being the Reddit, uh, the FCS subreddit, who they are a uh, historian. You know, they're a bunch of historians, basically. They have so much historical knowledge on, on, the, uh, on the FCS. But I don't exactly know what that would take, but I think that they need to allow it to happen. The limitations that you're referring to is that if you win either the MIAC or the SWAC, you have to play in the Celebration Bowl. And then like last year, Florida A&M, comes in second place and then they go to the playoffs it shouldn't be like that if you're jackson state and you are completely knocking around uh, florida a&m the way that you did a team that made the playoff last year and looked strong in their playoff first round loss that they had you need to give jackson state the opportunity to play because they don't have a tough schedule this year and they have a lot of dudes on that roster four-star recruits travis hunter who was a five-star recruit uh, Shadur Sanders, who is likely going to win the Walter Payton for the best FCS player this season. I need to see them play in that setting, and I think that they could give uh, North Dakota State a run for their money. Yeah, it, it should be kind of interesting. But I watched that Jackson State at Florida A&M game, and I was like, these guys, these guys need to be on the stage. They might not be able to win it, but they need to be on that stage. They deserve it, much more so than playing South Carolina State in the Celebration Bowl, in my opinion. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. The, the Celebration Bowl has a history uh, behind it, and it has a lot of importance for HBCU programs. But at the same time, we're in a very different era of college football and FCS football where Jackson State has become uh, such a polarizing program and such a highly uh, watched program that whenever they play in a national game, people are going to turn on that game and watch it. If you are the FCS you need to make the effort to, to figure that out because it is going to draw more eyes to the FCS playoffs and maybe even the national championship game if they reach it. It doesn't help that the FCS is very poorly run and that the people who are in charge of the broadcasting and all those things are, I've said this on my show, idiots and don't properly know how to capitalize on those fan bases in those programs. So even if there's a way for it to happen, don't be surprised if they don't take the action because they've never done anything proactive. I I don't mean to be negative, but it's just the reality, sadly, for the landscape of the FCS. Yeah, Joe DeLeon, the FCS guru from the Believe Network. Tell them about your show, Joe. Uh, yeah, you can uh, catch the FCS football podcast anywhere you find uh, your podcast. Also, I do the uh, NFL Draft Prospects podcast. A lot of great analysis there. You can find that, again, any podcast directory or uh, Hack City on YouTube houses both of those shows if you're looking for some nice NFL Draft college football content. All right, Joe DeLeon, thank you very much for stopping by. When we come back from this break, Tom Vanderford for his weekly segment. Thanks, Joe. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcast. I'm here with Tom Vanderford for his weekly segment in this guest-filled episode of the Locked On Ole Miss podcast. How you doing, Tom? Doing great. All right. Um <clears throat> Interesting setup with the weather season. We all knew this was going to happen ahead of time. So 
this should come as no surprise. But you open with Troy, and it's a team that should be good enough to get your attention, but not good enough to beat you. Then it's Central Arkansas, and it steps up in competition each week until Kentucky. Um, we're doing this weird quarterback thing with Jackson Dart starts one week, Luke Altmyer starts the other. What do you expect to see from Luke this weekend? I hope that I see uh, good game management, uh, limited turnovers. Uh, that it, it's it's uh, kind of worrisome. I mean, I, I want him. I want to see him do better than he did last week. Uh, and that wasn't all his fault. The center had a horrible snap, and so on and so forth. But I'd like to see him do a good job of managing the game, of moving the team, of uh, hitting receivers. Uh, I thought last week uh, that Jackson Dart did good, except uh, for when he tried to throw the long ball, he overthrew a lot. Now, mm-hmm. it's also the first game of the season, so we're kind of spoiled with Matt Corral, but I remember watching Matt Corral when he was the same age as Jackson Dart overthrowing receivers and throwing picks and so on and so forth. So I wonder if our fan base maybe is just expecting too much out of these two kids, Uh, whichever one wins the job, Altmaier or Dart, they're not going to be Matt Corral. Yeah. I don't, I don't even know if it's just, it's even just Matt Corral. If you go back to Bo Wallace and to Chad Kelly and then Jordan Thomas, there's always been a quarterback where it's kind of he's been the dude. He's been right. the guy. And you haven't really had to deal with these growing pains so much because you got Bo Wallace um, as a third-year sophomore. You got Chad Kelly um, out of junior college in Clemson. He, he, he'd seen a little bit. Um, Jordan Tomo, junior college guy. The transfer's coming all in. And – you know, they just had a little bit more experience. It's not very often that you start somebody this young. The last time we did it was Matt Corral. In his first start, he went 9 for 19 for like 95 yards and a loss to Memphis. I mean, people need to realize, I tell them all the time, it's one thing to be talented, it is another to be good. Even if you are talented, you have to work to get to the point where you can be good. Being talented exactly. just means you can be good. Exactly. Hmm. Exactly. And, uh, I, you know, one thing that that I really did enjoy from the game, of course I've rewatched it also, is our defense played well and we've got a heck of a running game. Hmm. So that takes a lot of pressure. You don't need a Matt Corral, I guess is what I'm saying. You need somebody that can manage a game, throw for 150 yards a game, you know, uh, no, no picks. You know, a touchdown or two here or there, because we have got some horses. And that I, I had heard from second hand from Ashanti, uh, who didn't play a lot this week because he was he was kind of injured. They're kind of holding him out. But I, I heard a lot through the grapevine about what Judkins was, and just how big of a shock it was. But they even mentioned it in the game, you know, when when he went to his first practice and he starts running over seniors, everybody's like, whoa, hey, this guy. But to see him in that game against Troy, he is just a grown man already. And I think he just turned 18. (laughs) Yeah. You know? It's phenomenal. And Troy's defensively, 
whenever I say Troy's a mediocre G5 team, which they are, but they have a pretty good defense. They have an All-American oh, yeah. over there. They have a elite pass rusher over there. They have somebody that's going to break the all-time record for tackles mm-hmm. um, for an NCAA player. There's some good yeah. players on the si- that side of the ball. And o- if Ole Miss wanted to, and this is the thing that I think Ole Miss fans just don't th- – maybe they choose not to think about. If Ole Miss wanted to, they could have run for 450, 500 yards, won the game 49-10, to 10, and the quarterback have the exact same stats they have now. And their feeling and everything is fine because that backfield is so good. Right. Well, just like Lane said, you know, he's trying to get trying to get the quarterback some some game experience. Uh, he could have, like you said, they, we could have run on him all day, yeah. and that would have opened up the play action pass more. And but he he he's going about this methodically. He knows just like we do, and like you've said that that we have some games, some tune up games, so to speak. I expect Central Arkansas to be a lot less uh, a lot less good, I guess you could say, on defense than than Troy. Mm-hmm. Uh, from what I've read, they're uh, a middle of the road, you know, team that may win six games and lose six, or whatever the case may be. So, and they're in they're in FCS, so. I, I expect uh, a better offensive output. Uh, I, from what I've read, their offense isn't that good, so I expect our, to see a lot of depth and a lot of faces uh, in that game on defense just to get them some game time experience. So I, I, I look forward to that. And then, of course, the next one, uh, Tulsa gets a little bit harder. Is it Tulsa or Georgia, Georgia Tech? Tech next week? Georgia Tech and then Tulsa, mm-hmm. right? So Georgia Tech kind of had me scared there for a while. They were playing Clemson tight, and then they just uh, they gave up the ghost. And uh, of course, Clemson ran away with it there at the end. But what I saw out of that game, that Georgia Tech game, was that same thing. They don't have much of an offense, but their defense played as hard as they could, which, of course, their head coach is a, a defensive guy anyway. But um, I, my, my hope is that the the staff gets everything ironed out uh, by the Georgia Tech game I, I, and goes with somebody. Yeah, that, that people ask you, who are you rooting for in this quarterback competition? I was like, I'm not rooting for anybody. I'm rooting for brevity. I want this thing over. This thing should have been over – Two weeks ago, yeah. uh, and but it hasn't been. Stick around for just a second, Tom. I do want to let everybody know this weekend we are going to do the postcast. We have Tom and we have Derek Vandegrift that are going to come on for the postgame show. It's going to start around 10 o'clock Central, and we're going to break down the game and have fun, and you can participate in the chat. Remember, you have to be a subscriber to the YouTube channel to chat, but you can participate then. Um, and also, we, we have some Twitter we're going to hit and um, maybe a voicemail line as well. So, should be a lot of fun there, Tom. I can't wait for this weekend to happen and do all the postcasts. Because postcasts, people don't even realize, these things are fun, man. Even doing them. Yeah. Yeah, I really enjoyed the uh, the postcast after the uh, College World Series. I, 
I feel fortunate that our other two main contributors were at the game and I got to soak it all up with, with you and the guys and gals that were watching. Yeah, it, it, it was really fun, but we're going to do that for about 45 minutes to an hour or something post-game. And then also, I'll go ahead and drop the news. We have a commitment right now for the Georgia Tech postcast of Stuart Patridge. Stuart Patridge will be, one of, be, will be one of the guest analysts after the Georgia Tech game. So I'm always trying to find former players and all that that can sit in that analyst chair. We're trying to find another analyst or two for that Georgia Tech game as well from former players. So, But right now, Stuart Patridge is confirmed for that. So what – what do you think people need to watch for in the Ole Miss game Saturday? Consistency. Consistency on offense, consistency on defense. Uh, cleaning up the little things, like uh, Eli Acker said on the offensive line. They had some blown uh, assignments during the, the Troy game. Um, the same way with the defense. I I want to see a little bit more of Corey Coleman. Good grief. Mm-hmm. I yeah, mean, five, you know, five TFLs is nothing to sneeze at. Oh, no. And he, he's a small guy. Mm-hmm. And, it, you know, that would be hard to do in an SEC game, but you never know he's so daggum fast. But mm-hmm. I really did like seeing him and Tennyson and Young and Tysheem Johnson go up and challenge at the line of scrimmage and just knock people's heads off. I, I really like our defense. Yeah, the defense has a chance to be really good. Before we get out of here, what are you what are you expecting on Saturday? I'm expecting, to be honest with you, I'm expecting to see the same situation we saw uh, last week. I, I think you'll see both quarterbacks. I think Altmaier will start, but I think you'll see both quarterbacks. I think we'll work on our pass game. Uh, I think that our defense should hold them to less than two touchdowns. And I think we'll crank it up on offense. I think we'll win like 49 to 10. Okay. Absolutely. Um, Get more on the SEC by making Locked On SEC your second listen. Everyday host Chris Gordy and his local experts from Locked On take you around the SEC in 30 minutes. Make Locked On SEC your second listen every day. Tom, thank you so very much. I will see you um, Saturday night for the postcast, and it should be a lot of fun, bud. Yes, sir. Hotty toddy. Hotty toddy.